let's just say it right here. So, hey, everybody, this is Kyler Bingham with Salt Lake Dirt and KPCR 92.9 FM in Los Gatos. We are recording this in Salt Lake City and Redondo Beach, California, everybody. I am welcoming a very incredible guest today. Tommy Burke uh, is joining me. His book, um, quite the title, and this is what initially grabbed me, and I was like, I got to have this guy on the show. So the title of the book, Not Just Sunglasses and Autographs, 30 Years of Film and Television Production with Life and Near-Death Lessons. Tommy, thank you so much for being here today. I'm really pumped for this interview. I really have. I'm excited, man. So you were just saying before we uh, we started rolling that you wrote the book about, or you finished it up about three or four years ago, so you reread it. Re-listen to it to kind of give, um, you know some some insight into it so i'm always intrigued when so when there is like that that distance that time um separation between it was written and then um kind of talking about it uh does it feel in a way that it was like you're reading someone else's words or did you feel when re-listening to it that it was like i remember this very explicitly like the writing process itself well i'm looking at it from uh all I've done. I mean, I listened to the book. I can't believe I did all that. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted <laughs> listening to it. I said, what a fool. What an idiot. I mean, all the stuff I've done. And I have great, I got a great editor named uh, Aaron Anderson helped me out a lot. So, but uh, I mean, I, all the stuff I've done, I just, I just shake my head. Like, what were you thinking? Well, I, I guess like, I mean, I, I think it's, a, it's for our listeners, this is the kind of book I know our listeners will enjoy. I mean, we, we cover a lot of uh, of writers and then we covered a lot of film so it's the perfect combination and then um it it really is a pep talk pep talk of a book like it really made me feel great reading it i felt just like i felt like we were hanging out i mean it was it was it's incredibly written um tell people a bit about it so they kind of i mean the title itself says a lot, but tell us a, a bit about the book. And then when did you, you mentioned it in the book, but w when did you decide, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to write this down. This, this is worthy of a book for other people to read, which it, it totally is. So how did this all come to you? Um, when did you write memoir is such a difficult, uh, that's too uh, fancy a word for me. <laughs> a book about yourself is so hard to pull off effectively and you did it um tell us about the book and when you decided i want to put it's you know i want to put this stuff i want to put my life into words and i and, and i would love if people read it well the great thing about people says this book which is nice they say it's like sitting in a bar with you it's like having a cup of coffee with you yeah that's exactly what i was getting because i'm not that you know Gentile guy that would come off, you know, above himself. I mean, I, 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 I make fun of myself a lot during that book. Yeah. Um, trying to think of one of the other questions. Um, I, I left uh, Chicago PD and we'll jump around. I don't want I, you tell me if you wanted me to bury the lead or not. Um, go for it. Yeah. So, so we're talking the TV show here, Chicago PD. Yeah. And I, uh, well, I had cancer when I was 40. I have Parkinson's now. Mm hmm. So I left, uh, I, I got my first big film, my first big hit TV show. I was making more money than I ever had before, and I got Parkinson's. Mm. So I left. I said, I, I wrote the book to write the book. I know that sounds kind of off the cuff, but I knew, I mean, I, I was thinking of just before I came on. I said, you know, your whole life, 27, 26, you got in the film business, and you never stopped chasing it. You never stopped fighting it. You never stopped ups and downs, ups and downs. I mean, this book's got so many ups and downs. I was telling Kyler before I got on, I said, I can't believe all the stuff I've done. Yeah. I cannot believe it. It it really is remarkable. And I think like um, what I, well, I want to talk about, so let's talk about, let's just jump into it. Cause I, you know, I, I live here in Salt Lake and I always great love- Great city, great I, city. Thank you. I think a lot of people need to hear that. I think we get a, you know, it, it is, a, it, it's a, you know, I grew up here. I hated it when I grew up. I left a few times, uh, eventually came back and settled. Uh, I like it now. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's filmed here off and on. And so you were here um, staying at a Holiday Inn. <laughs> you want that story? <laughs> yeah. Let, tell us that story. I think that you so you were on location. Well, here quick parallels. I've been, I've been away from Boston for 33 years. 
Mm-hmm. I still consider myself Bostonian. I will never be a Californian. I am yeah. still Bostonian. Yeah. That means I'm getting in your face. I, I don't pull any punches. So I miss Boston, even though if I went back, uh, Salt Lake City, I was on a, a movie called um, Natural Enemies, a killer bee movie. We, were, we used 1990s. We used real bees. Real bees. <laughs> and I mean, we're going to touch on so many subjects. I, I'm from a working class family. And uh, I was in the restaurant business for a lot of years. And um, this is the 1990s. I don't know if this still happened today. Mm-hmm. But I, I leave change on the on the dresser in the hotel room. You know, just a tip. Instead of me yeah. pulling all this stuff out at the last second, I love change. 25, 50 cents, 75, every day. 75, 25 dollar. And I went back to Santa Monica where I lived at the time. And I got a letter, a little bit of father saying, from Howard John saying, you left all this money in your dresser. Here's a check for it all the way back. I was like, <laughs> I tell you the killer B movie where uh, this, this lovely Mormon couple uh, had just adopted some kids from Africa. They were babies. They were infants in the, in the, in the, uh, in the, uh, in the, in the little bedroom, mm-hmm. infants in cribs. And the woman was very nice. Could you, can I, can I show you something? Can I, can I show you something? Well, there's bees inside. And she's like, come on, I'm, I'm, I'm more upset about it than you are. <laughs> well, uh, so, uh, so this is like the mid nineties. Um, and you know, I'm hop. I'm going to hop around too. I think, I think, that's, I think this is this kind of, this kind of conversation. So I know early in the book, um, so, you, you know, in your capacity in film and TV, first assistant director, and and you know when you, but you worked your way up. You were you were. I a failed PA. my way up <laughs> because I went to Boston College, which is which is a technical school. Uh, sorry, a, a, a business school, because my father taught there, and he was a. We got went to free. My parents said, "You go to a better school, we'll pay for it. You go to a worse school, you pay for it. You better go to BC." <laughs> so I went to BC. The master, the master of television teacher said, "Film, yuck, chemicals," because they want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm wearing a, a polo shirt right now. I can go to work in film business like this. Yeah, I'm wearing shorts too. They wanted their kids who, probably two or three generations removed from coming off the boat, working as plumber, or mason, whatever. They wanted the kids in suits and ties. So that's why they teach film school. So I went to, I went, left Boston College, went up to Vermont. Um. Missed a job by a day, worked at a factory, uh, worked as a bouncer, uh, was a marketing rep for Swiss Business, for, uh, what's it? The company made Swiss, um, I can't remember the name of the company, Swiss Business Pudding. Oh, the yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, I was so poor, the guy gave me a box of uh, outdated Swiss Business Pudding, and I ate that for three days straight. <laughs> That's got to do something to you. <laughs> Back then, I just, it just and the, the dog's water dish—you could see it in the, in the—you could see your breath in the living room. And you could see the dog's water dish in the morning would be a small cake of ice over the, uh, the in the kitchen. <laughs> I, I, it's, I, Kyle, I, I'm glad I'm sharing this with you because it's been three years since I've really looked at this book, mm-hmm. and it's like I'm looking at reading like, oh my god, what were you thinking? <laughs> like, what were you thinking? Like in in the moments that you were recounting in it, or just the the fact that you that you did this and you covered so much ground in the book itself. Covered so much, covered so much ground because I didn't I didn't have a plan. Yeah, and I think you should have a plan, but I I fell into things. I chased this. I chased this. I yeah. chased this. Working my up, working my way up the, the tree. Yeah. Well, and and one thing that intrigued me too, I love hearing people's, you know kind of I guess their or their origin story of how they they get into the business because everyone's everyone's is different. And I, I have to say yours is one of the more interesting ones. I, I love how much that's one way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> to, to say the least. And what I I love um just that you had all those jobs before. I I I think that is is really interesting. And let me ask you this, like how, and it, this is kind of a tough question because like you had so many, so many different uh, jobs that you did. You're kind of doing all kinds of different things. Um, uh, and how did those roles, like those jobs that you had, how did that prepare you when you eventually did become uh, a first assistant director? Well, I have a friend or of mine. Did from they? Co- <laughs> a friend of mine from college who said I wanted to be a writer. 
Yeah. And he's writing now, but a while back I said to him, you know, the first thing, your son's a writer. He went to USC for writing. He's a pretty smart kid to get a restaurant job. Because mm. a lot of people don't know how to deal with people. Yeah. Yeah. I say in the book, when I go to a different time, I probably shot in 12 different states in three countries. When I go to a state that doesn't have a big uh, film community, you know, you need a PA in LA or New York, Boston, you can get one. Mm-hmm. But you go there, anyone can interview me, I said, I don't care what film school you went to because you're not going to touch the camera. I'll tell yeah. you that right now. What <laughs> restaurant you work at? I'm famous for asking what restaurant because yeah. you got to take people's guff. And when the actor's yelling at you saying, I didn't order this, and you know he did. You know he damn well he did. <laughs> but you can't say anything. You just go, oh, yes, sure. Yeah, sure. You get it. It's just it's prioritizing being able to work with people. I mean, I don't think people know how to work with people as much anymore. I agree. I agree. Um, I'm a did high school. The, did you work uh, in the restaurant business? I never worked in a restaurant business. Just a, Well, just co- coffee shops. I worked in coffee shops. That's close. That's close. So, but I was never like a waiter. Uh, I never did that. My wife did that for years, and I always had deep respect for that it seems like i love her already yeah and she's from vermont so there you go wow um, yeah burlington vermont so she that's what, I was, that's what i stayed yeah 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 uh so i think like you really hit upon something there because it is like i think you know i'm not in, i'm not in the film industry uh i talk to people who are in it and then um i believe you know just the amount i was not, I wouldn't say I was surprised. I was more, I was educated. I was educated on just all the different kinds of things you had to do. You, I mean, it seems like an, kind of an impossible job uh, in, the, in the roles that you had, especially when you're going into another state. Uh, when you're going in and, and, you, and you're, you, know, you got to find the PAs, you're doing like the nitty gritty. You're finding the things to make sure this thing functions on time, effectively with people that will help you get it done. Um, that seems like an overwhelming kind of job, very high stress. Uh, but it seems like you thrived in that capacity. Um, I didn't know anything better. I mean, I'm not, you're saying it. I wish I, I would correct you for the wrong. It's like, <laughs> if I was smart, I'd have a, a game plan. But I, I mean, in college, I didn't even know what the film business was. Yeah. I had no idea what it was. Just like when I had Parkinson's, I had no idea what it was until I got it. But one one thing that strikes me about you is like when, like when you know with Parkinson's with uh, all the different things you did, you adapt to the situation and you and you rise to the occasion. That's my and, AD. That's my AD stuff. ADs. Yeah. We have a day. We have a day to make our shoot. We have a day. Like we have a call sheet, and we I put times on it, and they'll come to me and say, "You put times in this." It says you're supposed to be here by three. It's four. Yeah. It's a scoop. Yeah. And I, I learned to adapt. I mean, I was not a classically trained AD, as I like to say in the book. I learned uh, by the skin of my teeth. So I, you, you can't sit and go, oh, I, you know, you can't do anything about it. I had yeah. to. Yeah. So the same thing with filming with cancer. I talk a lot about cancer in my book, how I, oh, some of the little hacks and tricks I did. Uh, same with Parkinson's. Yeah. Yeah. And and I guess like in, in these like huge life situations, uh, you you don't you don't know it until you go through it. So it's like the, these are these these are obstacles that come to you um, that you know you you may you've heard about them maybe you've read about them maybe but you're in it you're living it and it's a completely different thing and you have to you know it's your experience which is such a challenge um, for a lot of people I think. And of course, it's a challenge, but I think what you, your book is an inspiration because you do, like, you're being humble here talking to you, but you really do rise to the occasion. And I just think it's such a beautiful story. It's like I'm trying to find, you know, oh, remember John Kennedy? Mm. When he, his boat was uh, shot down and he had to save his, save his crew from the yeah. island. Do you remember yeah. that story? Yeah, yeah. He said, Are you here? He goes, No, they sunk my boat. I had no yeah. choice. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what do you do? I can't like, say cancer. I'm so, no, forget it. I don't want to do cancer. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and okay. Talk to me about the, when you were getting chemo, like I said, we're hopping around here, but this was like. If you do, if you do, I spoke, speak. That's exactly how the story you got. So I think, I, <laughs> I think it's working well, but when you were, um, you know, in the book, early in the book, you're talking about um, chemo and like you're, you're on a film set for 
what, like 14, 15 hours. And then yeah. you go to Cedars and you sit for your chemo. chemo, four hours of chemo and, and you're doing this. So I get up the next day, I do another shoot day. How did you do that to our audience? Like when you, like, how did you do that? Like you had every, every like reason, every right to be like, I, I, I can't work right now. This is too much. Well, let me take some of the mystery. It was, um, Brookheimer, first Brookheimer show. That's like going, that's like, as I say in the book, it's like getting into the Patriots. Yeah. I'm from Boston, so I use Patriots. Uh, <laughs> it's like getting into the Patriots and you, you have the big time. You can't say, no, I can't do it. Cause they'll just, they'll say, oh, that's great. I'm sorry about that. And they'll turn, get another AD in before I right. get out the door. Yeah. So I, I, all I do, and also, it was also an analogous for how you treat life. I didn't treat chemo as one big chemo, two weeks at a time. Hmm. One week, nothing. Thursday, I go in for my blood test, see the white cells, good. Thursday night, I go in chemo. There's, there's a 24-hour chemo place in LA. I don't know if anyone knows that. 24 hours. And it was tough going in midnight because you hear like it was dead quiet. Yeah. And one guy coughing. It's, like, <laughs> it's spooky because he's coughing and you don't know what's happening. <laughs> so chemo hits you a day after. It doesn't hit you the next day. Mm. So right around 5 or 6 o'clock Friday, I start dragging. And then I go and I go home and sleep. I never have you ever had taken something that made you under chemo? I'd be tired. I go to sleep. I wake up more tired. Mm. That's that's unique. That's totally yeah. unique. Yeah. Well, that just I was just blown away with that when I read that. But I guess that that makes sense. You know, you're in the the big time. You have this like amazing opportunity that you want to keep. Um, but life throws you this this massive curveball, and you're and you're and you're young. You're forty about forty years old when this correct like when that when, yeah. yeah. So I mean, um, like, did you find yourself getting? Did you keep yourself so busy that you weren't able to get depressed um, and kind of spend time just you know feeling just like why why. I don't have time to be depressed. Yeah. <laughs> also, I, I, my doctor said if I just did the chemo, I probably would have come at it, but he didn't know I was going to do these long hours. Mm -hmm. So at the end of my chemo and my radiation, I said to the doctor, I said, doctor, am I normal? And I love this. I love this phrase. He says, Tommy, you're never going to be normal. <laughs> you're remission. <laughs> that is like, that's a beautiful line. <laughs> that's wonderful. That must have felt when you, when you heard that, like what were the emotions going through? Well, the thing is also you? the chemo. A lot, but I, I bowled through everything. Mm -hmm. uh, they had closed circuit TV in, in the, um, in uh, Cedar Sinai chemo place. Yeah. And then the last chemo, I, I just bowled through the whole chemo. At the last chemo, I get it from the, the table, and I just my body starts shaking. I so I, I said to myself, "That's it." And I, my body started convulsing. Yeah. Like my subconscious is gonna take he's gonna take a moment to recognize this if you don't. Hmm. That's that's incredible. Um and I, I think like I took such an you know, I like I said, I'm a high school teacher and I took a lot of what I took as life advice, just very like it, it was very helpful to me. Um so you know, hopping back to like being on the set and kind of being like over so many different people. Uh, one, one thing you mentioned, uh, like you kind of have like a list of like um, rules or suggestions or things that work for you. And one thing um, so simple, but just so it, it just stuck with me. You say uh, one line, you need to even out the mood on the set. Um, you need to lead with calmness and keep going. And I was just talking to my wife earlier this evening about, um, first year teachers. So I, I teach in a kind of a tough school, tough public school. And I see a, a, a lot of new teachers. I've been doing it 15 years. I've been seeing, a, I see a lot of new teachers come in and um, the ones who have this like level of calmness, cause they, you know, they, they pack 40 kids in these classrooms and it, it's a challenge and it's overwhelming walking into it for the first time. I see a lot of, you know, Teachers, they stick with it and they, they turn out great, but they, you know, they, they cry um, and they don't know how to like interact with the kids. And then once in a while you get a new teacher um, who just kind of like walks in with the skill 
of maybe they're not like the the best teacher yet, but they are able to level out 40 teenagers, calm them down, like they control the mood of that classroom. Um, so it, it, to me, like I was reading this, so I think I guess the point I'm making is is like this book, I think um, whether you're in the film business or not, like ultimately we do have to work with people. And this was just such a cool uh, read on that level because when you are working with a lot of people, um, how if you're kind of over people in a sense, the, the tone that you set really does set everything else and it can make your life easier or harder. And I, I just love those, those little things like that just really stuck out to me, like keeping, uh, keeping a calm set, keeping, you know, you know, professional, but like you just leveled it out. Um, what were some of your techniques specifically that you felt worked with? Cause you're dealing with new people often. Um, there's a turnaround, you, you're seeing all kinds of different people. How do you find when you first start interacting with people, how, what is kind of like your process of, um, you know, making this thing function smoothly? Well, I almost, uh, I joke, I said, I'm almost going to make this, the title of this book, Babysitting Six Figure Babies. Because <laughs> you got all these film crews, they're like, you know, they're, they're spoiled. And uh, I would do things, I I didn't, remember, I didn't, wasn't trying to get in the film business to, to rise to producer or director or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was the first idea, I was proud of it. I was kind of like, I, a lot of people, first ideas think they're like the, the kings of the set. I consider myself like, the highest enlisted man. Hmm. You know, I'm with the crew basically. Yeah. Now I do. I, and I didn't really care what I looked like. So I would go up to, um, I, let's say there was a, I should get away. All my secrets, but what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> let's say there's an actress on, on her chair and she's talking to someone. I go up and say, I grab her. And I'm like, I think you're the, I think you're the best singer in the world. She never sung in her life. I have all your albums. You're amazing. <laughs> and she's like, amazed me in her face. Like, what the hell is this guy? And I have her on the set by the time she knows what's up. <laughs> and also, I'd say uh, stuff like, um, are we not shooting? Is that my fault? I'm sorry. Let's go. <laughs> get a momentum. Get a, you know, people want to be happy. Yeah. More and more happy. Yeah. I love it. I love it, man. And then, um, you know, you, the, the, the book is really just, all kinds of things. It's like, yeah, like I said, it's, it's we got a like autobiography, memoir, um, kind of how to. You break down the different roles on a set, which was very helpful to me. Just kind of yeah, like I, I did a little, little tongue in cheek though. I didn't just you know, <laughs> it was funny, just, like, and it's funny, yeah. So you you break you break it down, but like, um, I learned a lot, but I was laughing too. So um, that's great. That's just what I want to hear. Yeah, it, it was great. So let's talk about like the writing process of the book itself. Um, and, and you said you kind of like follow, like you kind of wrote what came to you at, at the, well, I kind of wrote it. Good thing about me is, you know, if I had one job for 30 years, it's tough chopping it up, but I, 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 I have like 50 pages. I could have put in that book. I took out. Yeah. Cause you do it by each job. Each job is a chapter. Yeah. It can a chapter and park is a chapter. And uh, I will. I will refuse to talk about the girl uh, that uh, that dropped in my in my toast bed. I won't. I'll leave that to people's. Did you read the end yeah. of that book? Well, yeah. That at the, near the near the end, right? Yeah. 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 So people buy the book. We'll have links to where <laughs> to where you can get it. It's definitely. Also come. Back, also come back later if you want. We'll talk about it some more. Heck! Oh, I would love that. I would love that. I think. Um, I this was a tough one for me because I felt like. And I don't think I'm doing a a great job right now, but I'm like, which like angle do I go? On Take this? whatever. We just, <laughs> I mean, we just talk about anything. Um, yeah, because I'm like, I was just so fascinated with so much of it. It's like from your, you know, before your your film career. Um, the, well, the, such as that. My reason why okay. I was so hardworking. Yeah. My father's family was on welfare, mm-hmm. and my mother's family didn't speak English. So when we started working, 
you know, 12 or 13, my parents said, you're going catting. I don't want, you're going, you're going catting. We didn't have a choice. Yeah. I, I talk Which about was so show. funny to me. Like, I've never heard of like, you're going caddying. You're, you're going to be a caddy. <laughs> they, they just basically want us out of the house making money. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we worked hard and, uh, yeah, I, I, one job, I've had all these jobs. It's the one job I hated. Yeah. What did you hate? Like, what did you hate about that job? Well, one thing I've got ADD. So the ball would, uh, he hit the ball and I'd follow with my head. I forget where it landed. So I'd have to <laughs> let the golfer go up a little bit. And I have to run to catch up when I saw the ball. <laughs> uh, um, I learned my, I got my, learned my wise ass attitude when, uh, at the, towards the end of my golfing career, the golf, would, I, every time you started at the beginning of the round, they said, what's your name, son? Tommy, sir. And the rest of the, I mean, we're talking 40 yards off the tee. Hey, caddy. <laughs> Hey, caddy. And then when I got a lot later in life, I go, yeah, golfer. <laughs> I did that as a waiter, too. I say, hey, waiter, you go, yeah, customer. <laughs> I do that as a teacher. When they call me teacher, I'm a guest student. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to have fun with it. I mean, um, so you like in a heart, like a strong worth ethic was instilled in you very young. Um it's just, it's just. What and my you parents do. didn't want. They really didn't want. Didn't want me to do this because they're like, "We don't get this. You, you work, and you don't know when you get your next paycheck." You know, I, I never knew. I, for, I've never had a job my whole life. They couldn't walk on and say, "Get out of here." Yeah. No contract, no nothing. I mean, DGA. If you're working on a shoot and you do a bunch of weeks into the shoot, they try to get rid of the DJ. Will come and say something, but the, ultimately the producers will get their way. Fine, mm-hmm. I've never had a job where I couldn't. Someone said, "Get off the set right now." Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it's like you, you have a heck of a resume <laughs> if you had to put together your resume right now <laughs> of going back to being a kid. Um, that's a, that'd be a fun read right there. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, I'm, I'm just surprised. Uh, do you remember the Swan Boats in the North End? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's my favorite jobs. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because you. You're out in the open in Boston. Yeah. The fresh air. The owner and I got along so great. He just passed away. God rest his soul. That's another thing. I, we're going to jump around. I told you in this yeah. book, I was reading, I was listening to it again for the first time. How many times the chapter said, rest in peace. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. Rest in peace. And how, and how long, I mean, that was like decades ago. Like that, like that, it's, it's amazing how people can have this long lasting impact on our lives that like goes on and on. It's amazing. Yeah, you know, maybe I didn't say it right. All through my career, all through my book, I talk about different people and how they died. Mm-hmm. And it's I forgot all the people. That, and a couple of, since it's been two years since the books come out, a couple of people I said oh, I, I should have got a rest in peace of them, but the book was already out. Yeah. Well, second edition, right? When the when this first printing sells out. <laughs> well, if I get the first edition out, that's the thing. Um, this is different for me because I usually take control of situations, but getting a book out, mm-hmm. writing wasn't that hard. Getting the book out's the hard part. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it it's a it's a long process. You have a completed yeah. book, and it, it can take a long time. Um, and so the book comes out in April, correct? Came out two years right about this time. Yeah, yeah. Um, right around like or like early. Okay, so let's say um, the chapter titles. Some of them really <laughs> go ahead, were. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Take a shot. <laughs> well, what is the one? I'm trying to find it right now. It was like just go to the table of contents. Yeah, that, oh, there we go. The okay, like the um. The fun that is Parkinson's. I'm trying to find. Is that what? It, is that what, like near the end? Well, <laughs> like, oh man. <laughs> Irish sense of humor. Yeah. So, um, the you know, John from Hell. Do you yeah. Porter John from Hell. Yeah. 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 From Mexico. So, yeah. So that was in. Oh, where was that? I'm trying to find that. I, I bookmarked a few of these. Um. So okay, I did okay. Let's talk about like the 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 chapter titles. I mean, because it was like um, when I was skimming it over at the beginning, and then when it, you, you get to and actually read the, the section on it, um, sometimes like I love a good chapter title that kind of like 
makes me want to like read the chapter in one sitting. So like like a chapter like the the the, the fun. I'm not good with my phone, sorry, but like it. I think that's what it says. The uh... I I'm the fun with Parkinson's. Well, I'm trying to be wise ass again. Yeah, yeah. So um, the fun that is Parkinson's. Yeah. So <laughs> I think like. I, I I'd like to talk about that. Um, One reason also Parkinson's. Um, I'm doing pretty good with my, you know, all right, because I I took my actually kind of perfect example. You see my work ethic, right? Working out is the key to Parkinson's. Okay. Now, granted, I'm 60. I still got some vim, but people get Parkinson's when they're 35, mm-hmm. and they it's not for them to work out because they're old as it is. But one thing I said in the book, I said. When I got the diagnosis, uh, I first got the diagnosis from this one guy who was a jerk. He just said, you got Parkinson's and didn't even, you know, break it to me so slowly. Actually, he left, the, he left the, the, the office. And for some reason, I said, I got Parkinson's. I didn't know why. I didn't know how that came to me. He told me that. I went to my second, uh, the neurobot, the movement specialist. Mm-hmm. And she's about five feet tall, 100 pounds. I'm saying that not to diminish her. She said, I said, I want to, she said, you're a part I said, I want a second opinion. He goes, this is your second opinion. Cause she knew if I started not working out, I tell the book, run home, run home from your diagnosis, work out, do something every day. You got to get moving. I mean, I, I'm, I, I can't box cause I'm, I used to box a lot, but my elbows are hurting me. But I'll get back into boxing. Uh, I do, I run on the beach. Well, more of a quick walk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why, I, that's why the phone parks is you, you've got to undertake it. You've got to, can't give up. Man. I mean, yeah, just so inspirational. I mean, I, I think in a lot, it, the book was helpful to me in a lot of ways and just made me, made me, and I think this will be the case when, you know, people, our listeners <clears throat> get a copy, but it's like, it, it makes you think about how would I react in that kind of a situation what would i you know what what would i do in this situation so i feel like in in many ways your book is like a um you know everyone's life is different everyone's you know different challenges um the long the longer you live the more challenges appear um but it was to me it was kind of like a like a roadmap in some ways where it's like you know I have a different life. I'll have different challenges. Um, but just the way you you face them, um, and I, I don't know if that was like initially your intention when writing the book was to like help people or was it just to like get it out and, and like put it down on page, like document my life. Um, but I, f- I feel like this is a very, um, you know, f- it's a fun read. It's a funny read. It's like a, like it moves your, it's very moving, but I think just with the amount of, of, um, you know, life that you've lived and the challenges that you've had, I think it really is, uh, an inspiration. And so when you initially sought out to, to write it, were you thinking, um, you know, I talked to a lot of writers about just, uh, when they start writing something, um, maybe it's a combination of like, they want to, if, especially if they're doing nonfiction, um, um, like I I just interviewed someone who, uh, she wrote a book and she, she's a a retired vet veterinarian and has, um, a a dog now that's like big on social media, that blind and deaf dog that was a pound when they got him and he's in, they take him over. He's, they have an education, um, nonprofit now. And, uh, it's really helping a lot of people. So just like it made it made me think of that just because it's recent. Um, like w- when you're starting out a project, undertaking writing a book is such a um, can be an overwhelming thing, a big thing. Were did you just want to like write it and and write about your life, or were you kind of thinking about? I think people this could really help me too people. Much, you, gave, you gave me too much credit. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I wrote a book to write a book because. <laughs> I've been working my whole my ass off my whole life, you know, since I was twelve. I'm working my yeah. ass off. Now I'm on disability. I'm on pension. I don't have a wife and kids or a job. So I knew I'd go crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think 
we've talked about this, and it's, it, this is a tr- crucial podcast I'm doing with you because the first time I've really looked back at it, mm-hmm. I'm seeing my life differently. And I think that's why I wrote a book because I, I was to write a book. I wanted to help people out, but also, you know, who knows where this disease is going to take me. Sure. Yeah. And I think, I think like, um, and that's the way to write a book because ultimately you have to write it for yourself. Like, I mean, you see I, those titles. I mean, I, I got to write that book for those titles are nuts. <laughs> well, I was like, this is a very, this is a long title, but it, um, it works. Like it's, it's what like is it? the entire, like the entire title. Yeah. Well, just, yeah. So, you know, I think that the initial title is what really grabbed me. I was like, oh, that's a cool, that's a really cool title, not just sunglasses and autographs. And then 30 years of film and television production with life and near-death lessons, like. I put the near, someone gave a, a subtitle, I put the near-death. I said, I got to put near-death because I've had a gun put to me twice. Yeah. I only talk about the one of them times in the, in, in the book. Um, I My whole life is, one skill I've got out of this whole crazy life is nothing affects me. Mm-hmm. I mean, when the when the I'm just gonna touch about it. When the lady dropped dead in front of me at the end of the book, mm-hmm. I took care. I jumped into action. I didn't. I didn't get freaky. I just that's all. I, that's Philbus. You can't let people think your things are going nuts. Yeah, you gotta, it's like a it's like a, a quarterback of uh, of a of a. And if you're like you know, forty points behind, you can't believe like you're going. You're you're losing. Yeah, you gotta keep that stiff upper lip. Do you think like that is a, a product of your your upbringing mostly, or did a lot of that come natural to you? Just kind of like always who you also, were. Also, also the film business. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, I tell um, I was just one. Uh, you, you you never you, they could come and pull the plug at any second, and someone could yeah. throw something like you're not you're, you're shooting this now. Yeah. What can you do? You can't bitch about. It. I one thing I've, I've never complained. Find anyone who's ever seen me complain, I never complain because it doesn't help. It doesn't help. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. I love it. Then no, this was like I said, this was such a, a a great read for me. Um, and I have to go back and just like really I got I think I'm just gonna get the audiobook on the on this next round because I really I you're kind of inspiring me that you you know, you you listen to it and I love audiobooks and uh I think well, let me, it'll let be me say just say, I, I, my friend David Kriegel did it for me. Uh huh. Yeah. Because, because yeah. my speech gets a little. I mean, I have to prepare for my speech for today. I have to, you know, yeah. do voice exercises. I have to, you know, work my gums. Mm-hmm. David Kriegel was a big time actor in the eighties. Okay. Actor. He got out. Of, he got acting. And he, he he did the whole thing for me. The whole yeah. book. I mean, it's like three hundred fifty pages, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. God bless him. I, I have some really great friends who helped me out. Uh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to do that because I feel like it really um, warrants a deep read. Um, I'd I'd love to hear like, so the book came out. I guess um, so about uh, roughly two years ago, around this time of the year. Yeah. And um, just kind of response that you've got from it. Anything unexpected that came about uh, based off publishing the book? Well, that's the thing is, so many, you know, COVID, everyone published a book. <laughs> I don't expect, you know, I put a lot, I, you know, I throw my life into my, my, my life into my work. Yeah. So I'll never make money back on this. I'll never make it. I want to get the message. That's all I want. And I got a yeah. lot of people, I got 70, almost 75.0 uh, requirements on, uh, what do you call it? Um, Amazon. I'd get good reads or. Good, yeah. Good read. I guess. Positive reviews. Yeah, yeah. I've had a lot of people say that. I, one thing I had was um, on my cancer, I had a little cancer blog, and I screwed it up because it was so long ago. They they got rid of it. They, I didn't see they were getting rid of it. That really helped me. A lot of people said they stumbled on my par- cancer blog, and they said how impactful it was to them. Mm-hmm. I think cancer, I, I do it tongue-in-cheek. I, I give quick little um, – it's good for cancer people because I give quick little hacks. I yeah. get through things. yeah. Yeah. Um, so have ha, so and and then like I I noticed on Amazon it has like uh has, it's got a quite a few reviews and it's like almost at a per, it's at a four point nine so it's like some really lovely reviews. I mean, it, what can I say? <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's no, it's um, I think the the I like I. I, I I try I write myself and I found this like I'm like how does he pull it off because he does there's so much going on like if you look at the book holistically as like is a, a complete book there's so much there and I think like that's one of the cool things I think it like the things that happen to you are so specific that it does have a, a general appeal to, I think the average reader can find something that they can identify with on, on some level. Look at, the, look at the, the cheat thing. I have like 44 page, chapters and most of them are three or four pages long. Yeah. So I love books to, like that. Exactly. <laughs> people like, they get, they get scared because not many people read books anymore and they get scared. Yeah. Like it's really just take a chapter at a time. Yeah. And then yeah. Not like, you know, you read chapter four, um, if you read chapter, you read the cancer pa- chapters. You read a little further. You skip ahead. You know I lived because I wrote the book. <laughs> <laughs> when you, I love like a a good tight chapter. When you were writing, um, did you have to like how many drafts do you estimate maybe you went through? Uh, did you did you were you able to kind of knock it out pretty quick? Yeah, or it was, was there? I, I I got rid of chapters. I, and here's the thing: is best for my maybe. I got my, you know, you're working all day. You're you're going through Parkinson's. You you know, Parkinson's plays tricks on your mind too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would right when I fall asleep, an idea for a chapter would come to my head. I wake up, pull my iPad up, write in the subject line. You know, uh, uh, Porter John from Mexico. Mm-hmm. That would remind me the next day to write it out. And like I said, I had a great editor. Help me kept it going. Aaron Anderson was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think like it just, um, and this is your this is your only book. Yeah, uh, if I if I get a little more, so I, I got some really really great things I left out, like how I got screwed over by a film. I mean, it really screwed me over. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I want like, um, it just the the writing just popped for me, like I said, and I think like a lot, it just it appealed to my sensibilities, just the style. That you, you lived wrote in Boston in, for a while, right? Maybe that's it. Yeah, and I gotta say, when I when I first moved to Boston, it was definitely a, like a it jarred my system because um, <laughs> I thought I like that's one way to put it nicely. <laughs> and I was like, I, I I think I just didn't under I didn't well clearly I'm from Utah and I'm like in my early twenties I moved there and I'm like everyone everyone's so mean and I'm like they're not they're not mean like it took me. <laughs> It took me like some time to like kind of acclimate to the environment and to like on a small little level, try to understand it. And I found like, um, like the kindest people that ultimately, if you get get past their crust, if you get past their crust, they give you the shirt off your back. Exactly. They're back. They're just like t-shirt on uh, 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 Newberry street that said, welcome to Boston. Now go home. (laughs) Yep. That's about they, right. They really, they really, they really do anything for you once you get past because they got a lot of these people coming from out of town, from you know, tech companies and colleges and all that. Mm-hmm. They got to just keep people that they want to keep in. Yeah. No, it, it makes it makes sense. It was a life changing. Why'd you go to the North End? Why'd you go to the North End? I had friends. Um, it was just kind of a random move for me. Like I, I went out there. I had a friend who lived in the North End. He had, um, he was a financial advisor and. We kind of grew up together, and he said, "Hey, um, we we need another roommate. If you want to come out, you're welcome to come out." And so I just packed a suitcase and <laughs> bought a one way uh, ticket. And you know, the seventies they used to say this North End, mm-hmm. probably not because of so much uh, gentrification now, but in the north yeah. the seventies, especially if I'm a big white guy, if I stood in the corner, they'd go, they'd come up and say, "What are you doing here?" Yeah, because <laughs> Boston's so small, you got to you got to protect every little edge of turf. Yeah. No, I heard I had heard stories, and it was just like it. It was such a um, it was just a great overall experience that just really did shape a lot of like, you know, yeah, you know, just the kind of people I gravitate towards, the the kind of art that I like, the books that I like to read, the movies. Like, it definitely did shape a lot of that, and I think it's such a, um, I I think growing up in Utah, like I love I love Utah, I love Salt Lake, but it is like um, it felt. Uh, growing up here, it felt 
bland. It just felt kind of bland. And I felt like we didn't have this identity. And I just had so much like, uh, I guess, jealousy of like people that were from cities like, like Boston or New York or Philly or whatever, where it is like, there's this strong, like, uh, cultural identification to the city itself, to the region itself. And it was just something that I had never known growing up. And it was just really, really cool to kind of uh, observe that and be around people who had that because I, I feel like it in so many ways it just it just strengthens the the, the core of a person the personality um, I don't know I don't know if that makes any sense it just was like I I just love being around people from Boston well a lot, a lot of people love Boston though but here's the when I coming up as a PA mm-hmm. uh, I I was like don't you guys want to go to Hollywood don't you want to go to L A because I was young yeah and I I figured no you know, being in Boston is nice. They probably don't make as much money. And uh, the outside outside uh, film companies come in, screw them over. But they have a nice place to live, grow up in. Yeah. I live in Redondo Beach. I think most of your listeners listening right now have been to Hollywood more than I have lately. Yeah. I, I've been to Hollywood <laughs> once a year. I mean, yeah. it's, it's so far away from me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's no, I mean, like Redondo Beach, I wouldn't leave if I, if I lived there. It's, just, it's such a beautiful place. Uh, Salt Lake City was great. I mean, I um, Park City was great. Uh, it was very yeah. nice. Yeah. No, we got definitely like the I. I noticed when I when I would leave because I lived in Long Beach, California for a while in my in my twenties as well. No real reason. I just was. I think I was just trying you're, you're, stuff out. You're a out. bank robber, aren't you? You're a bank I'm a robber, bank robber. Then you got it. <laughs> I gotta tell you, if you try. Try to hide this podcast. Not the way you're supposed to do it. <laughs> it's not a good, not a good look for me. No, but I think like I missed the thing. I found that I, I missed my the mountains. I missed the mountains. I was because I grew up being surrounded by those those huge mountains, um, and it just felt like it felt like I was naked if I was like on a coastal city. If I if I was there for an extended period of time, so it's funny how just like where you grow up just geographically can have an impact on you and how you feel, your comfort level. David Mamet, the famous writer, would say, "Leave California before you get too soft. Leave New York before you get too hard." <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> I have a lot of sayings like that in the book. I have a lot of sayings, you know. Yeah. Things like that in the book. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to get greedy here, but do you, so you, you, you hinted maybe you have, so you have, you know, your life just sounds fascinating, even like just talking to you right now with like, you like how you're doing now, but you have other stories as well. Have you considered writing something else? If I get, and I'm not being selfish, if I get, cause it's really the book, you know, the book was not hard to write because I had the ball in my hands and you know what mm-hmm. a hard work I am. Yeah. I just kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. But the distributing, the publishing, I've got a great publicist right now, Tracy Harbour. He's yeah. trying to help me out. Uh, but if I have some real positive f- feedback, because you know, once I start the book, I won't, I won't stop. Yeah. So I want people to read the book, give me positive reviews. It's very amazing. Amazon, give me those positive reviews, and also I'll, I'll, I'll come out and speak to anyone. Yeah. Cancer causes. High schools. I mean, that's that's really want to get to know people and inspire them. I've always said I'd rather have someone so on the Oscar say, "I got this Oscar. I want to thank Tommy Burke." Than win an Oscar myself. I don't yeah. want to get the attention. I want to help people to get the attention. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And it, like I said, like it does. It, it is the kind of book that I think can really resonate with all kinds of people. I could see some of my high school students really, really digging it and and. And, and and getting a lot from it, I think it like just your life experience is so rich and um, the the way you, you've handled challenges, and um, I don't know like so so now um, as we as we kind of wrap up wrap up here. So your your day to day wrap up. Let's do a two hour show. Come hey on, man, <laughs> we'll come back for part two. But I would I would I would love that. Um, when you like your your day to day now, like you seem great. Like you look great. God bless you. You look great. Um, you sound great. Um, well, here's like, one of the things is, um, I'll take the 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 curds away from the window. Right before I got on this, I took I was on my bike for a little bit, 
And the good thing, it did it always. This, this is hilarious. It do, I don't shake when I when I'm not on camera. When I'm on camera, I shake. Really? Yeah, but um, I got some of the energy out of me, so um, you know, I could do this a lot. You know, I'm shaking yeah. back and forth. Yeah. Um, Michael J. Fox, you know, Michael J. Fox, that's the medicine doing that to him, not the, uh, the actually Parkinson's. Interesting. I, oh, wow. Interesting. Um, yeah. If I like, I would not even know. I mean, you, you, <laughs> well, I went on the beach yesterday. I mean, it's, here's the thing. It's like, it's a twisted analogy, but it's like having a two-year-old. Mm -hmm. You can't ignore a two-year-old. <laughs> They're always moving. Same with Parkinson's. You've always you gotta you gotta be you can't give up. You gotta take your medicine, you gotta exercise. You you know, if you I have a trainer. I used to have a boxing coach, I when my shoulder gets better, I'll go back to the gym. Yeah. I uh I've got lots of weights in my little things in my living room. You never give up. Never give up Parkinson's. Never. I love it. I love it. That's cancer, well you, cancer. Just gotta keep at it. Just take one chemo at a time. I did something. I haven't told anyone this. I was in a. I was in a CVS today, getting some medicine. I saw a woman with a. A cap on and no hair around her and no eyebrows. Mm -hmm. and I don't know if I should have done this, but I did anyways. Uh, she got her medicine. She walked away. And I caught her eye for a second. I said, "Keep fighting the good fight." I don't know if she was annoyed with me or what, but she just kept going. Yeah, she smiled and she kept going. I don't know. Yeah. I never know what happened to her. I mean, I don't know. I think like, you know, they if I would imagine someone hearing that would think that you had experience with that. That would that would make sense. You know, a, fr a friend of my friend. Uh, I didn't know him that well, but he was uh, he lived by me, so I took him to the chemo once. Uh, I he called me back the next day. He says. Um, they're not giving me more chemo. I'm 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 done. Mm. I mean, they're giving up on him. Mm. So what? There later that day, I sat with him. And I was still, I was still having a tough time sleeping. Right, so I fell asleep for a quick nap. Woke up. He said, "Have you ever thought about dying?" I said, "No," but I worry about what is going to happen later on in my life. And he's very really touched by that. He, he died three years, three weeks later. Oh wow. Also, the lady that died at, uh, well, I'll tell you the lady that, that dropped before me. Yeah. She didn't make it either. Yeah. That's what uh, you said before. Why do I have a good attitude? Everything's happened to me. Panic does not help. <laughs> you know, complaining doesn't help. I wish people would understand that. I know. Yeah. I don't know why people complain in panic. Panic, I understand, because that's normal reaction. That you probably, through evolution, you got it. Right. People complain. I just don't understand that. It just, it just doesn't help doesn't help it doesn't help it's like the it's like the reactive mind is taking over and it's like they're they're reacting to this and like not not accepting something and just like you know and that i don't know but it, it 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 is so true it doesn't help and you know there's there's things you can control and there's things you can't control and i think like learning what you know learning to know what those are is just so important and it's a, for me that's a constant struggle that I that I have to like be aware of what can I control what can I not control um but yeah that's why like I said again I've, I've said it a bunch but I've, I really feel like the book is um I just have an e-copy of it so I need to get I'm gonna buy a hard I, I need a hard copy of this because it just it just seems like the kind of book that I want to have, you know, just easily um, accessible and read a chapter here, read a chapter there after, you know, it just, it's just such a positive, um, real approach to life, to living, to challenges. I think it's no, just- Don't open a, the book and say to your wife, look what Tommy says, look what Tommy says. <laughs> <laughs> if you have me on again, I will, if you have me on again, or, or I'll speak in front of your class. I'll send you an autographed copy. I would love to have you on again. This was like, um, I, I was a little bit nervous on this one. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know. Oh, Jesus. I, I if was. You know me, what were you nervous about? <laughs> I don't know. I think like just. Um, what a freak I am. No. <laughs> I think I just didn't know where to begin with, with this story. And it was just such a, uh, it, 
I, I tend to find like the books that I like the most. And like I said, I, I, I had to skip over some parts just to, I wanted to finish it up, you know, before. Um, but now I'd need to like go back and really like, uh, slow down i feel like i want to i want to enjoy i want to slow down and like kind of like take it in more i think just like the 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 amount of life that you've lived um and i was inspired by it so i feel like when i really like a book i like the way it's written uh i i kind of walk into the interview a little more a little nervous um whereas like if someone it's um if it's if it's something like this had me thinking a lot like i've been um when i initially got it i started reading it uh, and then I just kind of, um, read a little bit here and there, but so it's been like, it's been on my mind for, you know, two couple months now, just like, like on a daily basis, whether I'm reading it or not, I'm thinking about it. And I think like that to me is a very powerful book right there. So I think like, I think the fact that like, I've spent so much internal, so much time in my internal dialogue with it, I think coming and like meeting you talking to you it just it just was um i'm like i don't where do i where do i go? i had so i had questions and i just kind of like i kind of threw out a lot of them and i just enjoyed having a conversation with you well like my book also i was i was i read two of your podcasts i listened to them. one is um the guy in the graveyard tours oh yeah wonderful and my, my brothers are coming um um we're trying to figure out what to do my brothers are coming from the east coast yeah and we'll we have, they have kids, so we had to really nail something down what we wanted to do. Yeah, but I said we should do graveyard because he's a big, um, uh, you know, what do you call those TCMs? He's a big fan of the old movies. Oh yeah, yeah. De- so definitely go to Hollywood Forever. That's one that's like very. Um, um, they encourage like looking at you know they they encourage it they welcome it it's it's a great place to, have to visit. Gra- have you been to L.A.? Oh yeah, I try to come every year. Every summer I go the gra- out there. The, gra- the graveyard tour. Um, the, is that the, like, they're, 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 uh, hearses, they're hearses. I haven't done that one. I did one a few years back, a different company and they, it was just on a little bus and they're they, huge they, now. They're, yeah. They're like all the place. Yeah. No, I did like a, I did one. It was like the death Hollywood death tour. Where uh, Fred Mertz, where Fred Mertz died. Yeah. 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 I also, I, mean, I was talking about, I was a little nervous. Like I'm going to talk to this guy about poor John from hell. And he talked to a guy about escaping Scientology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you saw that one too. Yeah. I um, did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I I, th- I think what, what I try to do is like I I when I work to have a guest on or someone reaches out, it's always like I wanna have someone that I'm like really interested in. Um and then there's so many interesting people, so it's not it's not too hard. But I I knew like w- with your book, especially once I started it, I'm like, this is like, this is golden. This is this is great. I know you know we have a big listenership in Los Gatos, um, Los Gatos for the radio station. Yeah, so that's I know people who who listen to the show are are gonna love the, this book. Um, that's wonderful. But yes, I'm gonna. I would love to have you back. You have a like a like an invitation to come back anytime you want. I'm gonna reach out in a few months, either way, and see if you come back. I love the idea of integrating the high school kids. I think that could be very cool. Um, and I think I have like a I teach a humanities class uh, for seniors, and I, I just feel like this would be like such a uh, amazing thing for them to be exposed to. I want I want I want to inspire as many people as, as I can. I love it. Like I said, this, this book is, not, I'm never going to make that much money off it. Hardly any, because yeah. of the way structure. But I wanted to get the book. I, I just, with my life has been that, you know me, I just go right to the end. I don't figure out it. My, my analogy is this. Most people say they jump off a bridge and figure out how to make a parachute on the way down. <laughs> I probably jump off a bridge and ask people how to make a parachute down. <laughs> and then I make the parachute. <laughs> I love but that. Go to timeberg.com. I have all my, I have tons of pictures there from my set life. Uh, I've got uh, with um, Dennis Hopper. I've got yes. pictures with all, I love all kinds of different people. So I, I'll feel free to ask anyone to reach out to me. I'll come and speak anywhere, anytime. Wonderful. So yeah, everybody, I'll have a link to um, the website. Uh, any social media or is the website the best place to go Tyberg, to, to reach yeah, out to you? Uh, it's funny. I, I had the name. 
I lost it, so I picked it up, and then I got it back. Nice. Stonenberg nice. is such uh, such a very ordinary name. <laughs> well, Tommy, this was um, a real treat talking to you. It was wonderful meeting you. I, I look for I look forward to listening to the book now, um, and I look forward to having you back on again sometime this year if you're willing. So thank you so much for your when time. When are you coming tonight. out to LA? I come out in June. I come out in June. Yeah, Phil Festival. Uh, probably, <clears throat> probably. I probably, um, I usually come out for dances with film. So whether I come out for that or not, that's at the end of June. So I'll probably come out for that. Um, if I don't co- end up covering the festival, I'll still come out in June after once I'm done with school for the year. So that's kind of that's kind of my plan. All right, it's a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you.